Participate with us tonight. This is Bible study night. It's not a night for Brother Walmer to just stand up here and preach and talk. It's for us to look into the Word of the Lord together. Amen. Yes, sir. God's Word is very, very important in the life of any Christian. Any Christian. Amen. Unfortunately, there are many who are not. <coughs> should I say, great fans of God's Word. They don't read it, they don't study it, and they have not hidden it in their hearts. And we often see the result of that. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. For what reason? That I might not sin against the Lord. Amen. Praise God. This book is so precious, so wonderful. And... Uh, Sin will keep you from this book. That's but right. this book will keep you from sin. Yeah, that's right. Amen. So read it. I just read this week. That I, I don't know what this whole thing's all about. I, I did not have a chance to really verify it. But uh, I read that there is some kind of legislation pending in the State House in Sacramento. They want to. They want to vote something to take away the Bible. Well, you know, you may take it physically from me, but you'll never take it out of my heart. Amen. And so it is so important that we really know God's Word yes. so that if we did lose our physical Bibles, we would still have God's Word planted in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> To begin our Bible study tonight, I want us to uh, look at the book of Matthew, chapter 28, and verse 20. Now, this is a passage, this is a verse of Scripture that I mentioned <clears throat> Sunday morning in my message to you. And immediately when Brother Cameron called, I thought, you know, this will be something good for us to look into tonight. Now, we're going to look at a lot of Scriptures, going to look at uh, just a lot of different things tonight. And I want you to follow along with me carefully. Uh, don't go to sleep on me because that is the best way in the world to get called. <laughs> I have stood behind pulpits and behind teaching desks for many, many years, and my eyes are always going to see who's paying attention and who isn't. Remember a young man we had come into our Bible school in Brazil a number of years ago, and my, oh my, my, he thought he was somebody. He thought he knew everything that needed to be known. Well, he didn't realize what he was up against with me. And uh, it took us about two or three, maybe three or four class sessions. And I had him uh, lined out. I really did. He was all the time turning around in his seat and talking to somebody else and not paying attention. And I'd be teaching, I'd say, isn't that right? Huh? And... Uh, so let's pay attention to God's Word and let's let it sink deeply into our hearts. Amen? Yes. Amen. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. Now, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> we have a lot of uh, people writing and discussing verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's great. You know, that's a command that was given to us. And... Uh, <clears throat> Baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And of course, there's been a lot of question about the aspect of baptism. In fact, I have on my computer at home a letter from a man, and I don't know from where. Uh, I have generated uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 5,000 friends on Facebook, and they are from 27 different nations in the world. It just opened up a whole area of ministry to me. And every month we send out books to those who desire them, who have sent me their email addresses. We send out about 250 uh, electronic books every month from 
a very large collection of things that I have in the Portuguese and in the in the English language. And somehow or the other, he has uh, come up on something and wrote me and asked me. He said, there are some people that baptize in Jesus' name and others that baptize in the name of the Father and the Holy Ghost, which is right. Oh, my. Did he ever open things up for me to talk to him about the truth of God's word. Amen? Yeah. doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what the Bible says, and that's what we want to go into. But, uh, you know, we, we tend sometimes to focus our attention on certain passages of Scripture and forget the context. Right. What is the context? The context is what goes before and what goes after. Right. So we're talking today about a little bit of the context of the last two verses of Scripture in the book of Matthew. Going to verse 20, it says, And these are the words of Jesus, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Uh, what happens is that we kind of skip over that part in the middle, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Oh, lo, I'm with you. Oh, my, that's so great. You know, and it is great that those that know the Lord and those that serve the Lord can really uh, believe that God is going to be with them every day, every hour, every minute of every day. Amen. Amen. I become sometimes a little frustrated with some of the uh, social media things and some of the things that are posted on Facebook. Uh, you know, there are promises in God's word that are not for everybody. Hello? Uh, did you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, they are not for the sinner. They are not for the adulterer, the liar, the thief, the bank robber, and all of that. There are promises there that are only for the children of God. Now, if those are for the children of God, and you are a child of God, then get a hold of them. Yes. Right? Yes. Believe them. Yes. And allow them to be that force that you need to have in your life. But tonight we're going to be talking about the part that says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, I don't know all of you, and I don't want to be accused of offending you, so I'm not going to ask you to tell me tonight what Jesus taught. I have already done that in some places, and I got some of the most blank stairs that you ever have observed in your life because they could not tell me what Jesus taught but yet that is what we are told to teach to others if we don't know what he taught how are we going to teach others how are we going to evangelize so it behooves us to really come to a complete understanding and knowledge of what Jesus taught now, the, 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 the interesting thing is, and I've mentioned this more or less, I have found that many who claim to be Christian in faith and practice don't know what Jesus taught. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you tonight, all right? So just, just be cool, all right? <laughs> and uh, just, uh, uh, just relax, all right? They can't answer this question adequately. This may be a part of the reason why we do not see more people become involved in the work of evangelism. All right? We may have some of our pet beliefs, some of those things that we are very familiar with, yeah. and I, I'm trying to find a way to eliminate somebody off my Facebook page because I am tired of him. I'm tired. Because he has one subject, and that's the only subject that he hammers on every day, every day, every day. Well, there is more in the Bible than baptism in Jesus' name and the oneness of God. That's a great subject. I believe it with all of my heart. But you don't need to preach to the choir, all right? I know that already. Matter of fact, I can probably teach it better than what he does. But... Uh, uh, you know, th th this is what happens a lot of times, that we get focused in on something that is uh, our, our specialty, and we forget all of the rest of it, all right? Uh, 
you know, we, we, there are some people who have this same kind of habit with regard to what they eat. Okay? I don't like that. I don't like that. Have you ever eaten it? No. How in the world you know you don't like it then? All right? Okay? So, uh, you know, all of God's Word has been given to us for our instruction. It's all good. Yes. It's all profitable. Right. It's profitable for you. Right. To know the Word of God perhaps better than you do today. All right? Now let's go back in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter. And this is kind of where I want to stay for a little while. And we're going to basically be talking from the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh chapters. All right? <coughs> no, I'm not going to preach it all, Brother Camarena. All right? Just, uh, just relax. All right? We'll be through here in the designated one hour or less. Okay? All right. Now, number one, this is what is known, this, these three chapters are what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, Bible says that Jesus went up to a mountain, and when he was there, gathered the multitude around him, and began to teach. So it's called the Sermon on the Mount. There is probably no other place in Scripture or in, or in the Gospels where there is such a concentrated amount of Jesus' teaching that other than the chapter uh, 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Very, very profound passages of Scripture and uh, just a lot of instruction. And even though that Jesus was talking to religious people, they were amazed, the Bible says, at his doctrine, for he taught them as one who had authority. You'll find that in the last verse of the seventh chapter, okay? As one who had authority. Now, I want to teach you tonight as one who has authority. But I'm not Jesus. Don't pretend to be. But there is an authority that comes by the word of God, and yes. we can declare this is truth. Yes. Amen. All right? There's no maybe, no well, perhaps, or, well, you know, uh, uh, I have a little pet peeve uh, about people who say, well, what God wanted to say here. No, God didn't want to say anything. God said it. Yes. Right. Amen. <laughs> he just said it. And he doesn't need anybody to interpret it. We are to expound what he has said and uh, and uh, and, and uh, put it out before the people to believe. All right? Amen. Now, uh, <clears throat> there is no way that you or I can live a life that is pleasing to God if we do not know what Jesus taught. There is no way that you can drive your automobile down the road and not get a ticket if you don't know what is in that driver's instruction manual. Yeah. Yeah. That red octagon sign means something. Yeah. All right? Uh, there's a lot of Californians that don't believe that it means anything, but it does mean something. I've been stopped at stop signs and just had people go right on by me. I don't, you know, hey, what's going on here? You know, uh, they just uh, uh, go through stop sign. You know, we have the, the, the privilege of a free right turn here, but it's supposed to be made after you stop. It, it, isn't that the way it's supposed to be done? But there's some just go, take a look at yep, the way they go. All right. Well, someday they're going to get a ticket for writing a red light, and that is going to cost them very, very dearly. Now, the same thing is true with regard to God's Word and the instructions that God gives us in His Word. If we don't know what's in it, we're going to commit sin. Without really knowing that we are committing it, because we just don't know what the book says. All right? So what we're, what we're talking about tonight is very important for each one of us as a Christian. All right? If you don't know what He taught then you will not be an example to the world around you. All right? Amen. And the world needs an example of a true Christian. 
somebody posted just the other day and said, um, and of course we've heard this so many times, and said, let's put Christ back in Christmas. Oh, that's good. That's good. But they went one step further. They said, let's put Christ back in Christian. Uh-oh. Uh, because we see many people who claim to be Christian, but uh, sorry, there's just not too much Christian about their life. To be a Christian is to be Christ-like. It's to follow in his footsteps. Yes. It's to do what he would do. Yes. Uh, I know that uh, my wife would criticize me for even recommending this book because it is so old, probably written back in the 1800s somewhere, but um, in his steps, what would Jesus do? Anybody ever read that book, heard of that book? No? You've heard of it? I've heard of it. You've heard of it? Yeah. Very good book. Uh, the English is a little bit old, and uh, you know it's it's written in a different uh, setting than our present world. But the thought is so is so powerful because people came to the realization that even though they were members of a church, if they didn't do what Jesus would do, they would not be able to really call themselves Christian. And so we need to put Christian. <clears throat> that is, put Christ back in Christian, all right? Yeah. And uh, uh, perhaps we need to um, just kind of ask ourselves a question as we face certain situations in our lives, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? All right, there's certain things happening on your job. And there's a temptation to protect yourself. Uh, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus lie? No. Would Jesus uh, hurt a fellow employee? No. And if we are going to be truly Christian in our, uh, in our life, we must understand what Jesus would do. <clears throat> All right? Much behavior on part of Christians or supposed Christians is far from what Christ desires and far from being what it means to be a true Christian. Where were they first called Christians in Bible times? Antioch. Antioch, thank you. Antioch. And it's because that they, they saw in those people the very spirit of Christ uh, abiding in them. <clears throat> Somebody posted a very good thing uh, on social media this week. It said, as Christians, our job is to make an invisible God visible to the world. Yeah, that's really good. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. That's very good. Mm -hmm. So if the world looks at me, they need to see Christ who lives in me. Right. Now, that is only going to happen if I follow the teachings of Jesus. Amen. All right? Amen. <clears throat> easy? No. And I didn't say it was. It's never been easy. <clears throat> Sometimes it's more difficult than at other times. All right. Chapter 5 of Matthew. Now the first portion of Scripture here, through verse 12, deals with what we call the Beatitudes. All right? The Beatitudes. First one says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, each one of these verses, Brother Camarena, could be a Bible study in itself. All right? You begin to dig and delve deeper into the meanings of some of these words. But uh, I'm not going to do that tonight. Poor in spirit are those that are just, they're, 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 suffering from the consequences of life itself all right they are they, they're they're not filled with happiness they're anxious they're concerned about things they're worried and uh, so many many things are happening in their lives that cause them to be poor in spirit blessed are they that mourn as i was praying just this evening in the other room, I began to remember some of my friends who in recent times have lost a spouse. And I said, Lord, be with them. They're mourning. They're sad. A friend of ours just lost his wife this past week. And uh, it's been a very, very difficult thing, I'm sure. 
And uh, so, but the Bible says, blessed. Now really, that word can sometimes be translated happy. Are they that mourn? Wow, that sure is contrary, isn't it? Uh, I'm mourning, yet I'm supposed to be happy. Well, the Bible says that uh, in, in, the, in the face of death, that we do not mourn as those who have no hope. It doesn't say we don't mourn, but it says we do not mourn as those who have no hope. So we can be blessed. Next one is, blessed are the meek. Boy, is that contrary to our society today, huh? Huh? Kick anybody, tear anybody else down, do whatever needs to be done to get ahead. But the concept in the kingdom of God is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. May not be now, but it will be someday that we who are meek and they think we are weak, uh, because we are meek, and, uh, and, but someday we are going to inherit the earth, and the Bible says that we're going to rule and reign with Christ. Yeah. All right? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Righteousness. All right? We've got to have a desire in our hearts. Yes. yes. Amen. Yes. A hunger for righteousness. A hunger for things that are true. A hunger for things that are pure. A hunger for those things that please God. Yeah. We've got to have that in our hearts and lives. Because when we do, what's going to happen? What does it say? Huh? They shall be filled. All right. If you hunger and thirst after the things of God, when you read the word of God, you're going to be filled. When you get on your... Uh, in your place of prayer, you're going to uh, be filled with the presence of God. Yes. When you come to the house of God and you unite your voice uh, in a corporate manner with the rest of the church to pray, you're going to be filled because your heart desires to be in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Someone wrote and said, my desire is for God. Not for peace, not for happiness, not for joy, not for any of those things. But I just want God. Because if we obtain Him in our lives, we have obtained everything. All right? Blessed are the merciful. Oh, wow. For they shall obtain mercy. I have seen it uh, on more than one occasion when there were people who... Uh, did not have a merciful uh, a spirit in them. They were vindictive. They were uh, always uh, critical and condemning and, and all of that. And they fell from grace. And they found that there was no mercy for them because they had not been merciful. I have been criticized many, many different times because... I endeavor to show mercy to someone who backslid. Show mercy to someone who fell into sin. Show mercy to someone that probably uh, in our eyes would not be uh, deserving of mercy. Uh, I can just uh, imagine right now very quickly some that I showed mercy to uh, that uh, were sinners. They committed sin, but I was merciful to them and endeavored to restore them and was able to restore them because I was merciful. All right? Now we're talking about what Jesus taught. Yeah. Amen. Okay? It, it, it's so easy to be vengeful. Yeah. <clears throat> it's so easy to want to have our way. Disciples of Jesus... I got turned away in a certain city because they were Republicans, I guess. I just thought it would be funny to interject a little politics in the middle of this whole thing. Uh, but anyway, they got to a certain city, and it was coming on nighttime, and they wanted lodging. But because they were with Jesus, they were told to get out of town. We don't want you here. Okay? And two or three times said, Lord, shall we call fire down out of heaven? No. He was merciful to them. All right? What happened later? I don't know. 
But Jesus showed us by his example that we do need to be merciful. Yes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart. Say pure in heart with me. Pure in heart. Pure in heart. Not to put on a on a facade of purity. Into the church on Sunday morning, and your Bible's under your arm, and you got on just all of the right clothes, and you you're just looking just like a Christian ought to look. Well, what about your heart? Is your heart pure? That's what's got to be pure because that's what God judges is the heart. Right. Amen. And the heart is deceitfully wicked. The Bible says, and who can know it? Right. You cannot even know the deceitfulness that may be abiding in your heart this very moment. David didn't know that there was adultery and murder abiding in his heart until after it had been done. But today we can come into God's presence in prayer and soul searching um, sincerity and ask God to reveal to us anything that may be wrong in our hearts. And God will do it. We had a certain situation that cropped up many years ago in our work in South America. And I decided to go on a seven-day fast. I needed to get my... You see, I, I mentioned Sunday, I believe it was, that... Fasting is not trying to convince God to do something for us, but it's to get our spirit right with God. And so I was going on the seven-day fast, began it on Saturday. Sunday, we went to church, held our regular Sunday morning service. Tomorrow I said, go ahead and take the kids and go home and have dinner. I'm going to stay here in the church and pray. Went into my office and began to pray and seek God. And uh, I began to read to God. Read speak to God, and tell him how bad these men were that had wrote, risen up against me in the work. And I was just really telling God how bad these people were. Right? But in the midst of all of that, God began to speak to me and tell me what was wrong with me. Now, if somebody else had come to me and told me those things, I'd have probably risen up in what we tend to call a righteous indignation. Many times we come reading nothing righteous about it. <laughs> Just pure carnality, really. Right? But uh, when God speaks to you, when God shows you what's wrong in your life, all you can do is say, yes, Lord. Right. Yes, Lord. Uh, th th there's no other place to... Uh, to go to justify yourself because he knows everything that's in your heart. And uh, I said, Lord, please wait. And uh, I said, let me get paper and pencil. I'm going to write all of this down because he began to tell me what was wrong and who I had wronged and, and all of that. And I wrote it all down. In the course of time, I was able to find every person and ask forgiveness and, and repent of my wrong feelings toward them. And as a result of that, God gave us a great revival. God can give you a great revival in your heart yes. and in your home yes. and in your church. Yes. But we've got to come before God with all sincerity. We're talking about what Jesus taught. First, that pure in heart. Get your heart pure. Get things right in your heart. You may hide it from men. You may hide it from your pastor. You may hide it from your wife or your husband. And other people. But you are not hiding anything from God. Because God knows everything. Alright? Amen. Amen. It's a little frightening, isn't it? Yes. Huh? He doesn't gossip. <laughs> he doesn't gossip. <laughs> he knows everything, but he doesn't gossip. He's not going to tell anybody else. That's true. That's true. Yes. Alright? So what he knows, he doesn't tell, except to you, all right? So blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know, it's interesting to, to see what uh, the, 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 what should I say, the, the actions of people so many times. Yeah. 
they they do not say things that contribute to peace they say things that tend to contribute to the creating of problems of contention and all other kinds of evil things now jesus taught us that we are to be peacemakers there is a special blessing pronounced upon those that are peacemakers all right yes, yes. all right they have a custom in brazil to greet one another and say rather than say praise the lord they say the peace of the lord be with you so i i went on a went to see a piece of property that we had purchased uh rather we had purchased the building that was on the property wood structure and there was a man there stealing it and he was supposed to be a christian and he said peace of the lord be with you and i said my friend, I don't think much peace around here because I could see that he was about as nervous as a hot cat on a hot tin roof, you know, because he knew that what he was doing was wrong. And I mean, it's just like he just, like, you know, because there was no peace. And what he was doing was not bringing peace. It was bringing disharmony and disunity to those that uh, would be considered as Christians. So we, we, need to, we need to weigh our words very carefully before we speak them to make sure that they are going to produce the effect that we want, and that is to bring peace. Amen. That can happen in the home, it can happen between uh, the spouses, it can happen between uh, parents and their children, between children and their parents, it can happen in all of the uh, extended family situations, uh, it can happen in the church, it can happen anywhere that we say those things that do not contribute to peace. All right? Blessed are they, huh? Am I reading this right? What does verse 10 say? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. Oh, oh, there is a little something there that kind of clarifies that, isn't there? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Just be aware that you're not going to be blessed because you're persecuted for the stupid things you did. Go ahead and laugh. That's all right. <laughs> True? You get persecuted for some stupid thing you did. You're not going to be blessed of God. I mean, you probably should have prayed and asked God for direction before you did whatever it was you did. So that you could be blessed by what you did. Yes, yeah. amen. <laughs> okay? But if you are persecuted because you have been righteous, if you are persecuted because you are a Christian, if you are persecuted because you are a Bible, as they said back in the election days a couple of years ago, a Bible thumper. I don't know what in the world that's supposed to mean, but anyway, it's an expression that people critical of the Christian faith like to use. Oh, he's a Bible thumper, all right? Uh, anyway, if you're a Bible thumper and you're persecuted because you love God's Word and adhere to God's Word, well, you can be assured of being blessed because you are faithful to God and His Word. Now, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner evil against you. Oh my, isn't it interesting how the God's word just uses the right words, the right vocabulary, the right adjective for us to understand. And, and sometimes we just read over these things and we don't stop long enough to really analyze what is said there. If they say those things against you, you revile falsely. That's a lot different than being reviled or persecuted because you were stupid. <laughs> or you said stupid things, all right? All right? We, we've got to be reviled because we are Christian, because we are God's holy people, because we uh, adhere to God's word, all right? Then we can be assured of being blessed. All right, verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. 
Okay? So how can we say this in our language? What's new? <laughs> Been going on forever. So what's new? So you're being persecuted. What's new? That's what's always happened to God's people. You know, sometimes I begin to analyze history, and I, I think, why in the world have the Jewish people been persecuted since day one? They've never had any peace. Never. All right? And they're persecuted to this day. And there is so much anti-Semitism in our world today. Why? What's the reason for that? You know, it, I, I'm sure that if you ask some people why, they would not be able to give you an answer why they hate the Jews. But they do. It just seems like it's the thing to do. But, and, and, and I think that, that we who are Christians are beginning to fall into the same category just because we're Christians. Yeah. All right? Hillary Clinton said what was really in her heart, wasn't she? Didn't she? She called you a deplorable. All right? Right? You cling to your Bibles and cling to your guns. <laughs> you know, you heard that, haven't we? Yeah. All right. And listen, I want to tell you something. Let us never fool ourselves into believing that things are going to get better. They're not going to get better. The Bible says that evil men shall what? Wax worse. Wax worse and worse. It's going to get worse. So we've got to be prepared. I pray for my children. I pray for my grandchildren. I don't know what they may face in times to come. But I pray for them that they will be able to withstand in that evil day and be able to hold to the truths of God's word in order to be saved. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, so, wow, there's a lot of material there, isn't there? There's a lot of things to think about. All right? And you just may want to uh, uh, do a little more uh, study in regard to those things. All right? Now, we are told that we are to be the salt of the earth. It's kind of a funny thing, isn't it? We're to be the salt of the earth. And I, I have thought about this many, many times. What does salt do? It flavors. It preserves. What else does it do? Influences. Uh, yeah, in a certain way, yeah. Right. Makes you retain water. What? <laughs> what did you say? Helps you retain water. Yes. <laughs> and you know what else? It'll make you thirsty. Yes. Huh? Make thirsty. All right, now we are to be salt, all right? We need to flavor our world. Amen. All right? Amen. Don't undersell yourself. You have the Spirit of Almighty God dwelling in you, and you are able to help to flavor the world. Right. Young man came to me, one of our Bible college students, several years ago. And he had left his job because he had been offered a better job. When he got on the better job, come to find out all of the management of that store, place where he worked, were people who adhered to some kind of satanic religion. And he said, Pastor, the environment in there is major heavy. He said, I can't go back to where I was working because they've already hired somebody to take my place. I've got to support my family. What am I going to do? I said, I'm going to give you a recipe to help to solve that situation. I want you to set your alarm for 15 minutes earlier every morning to get up a little earlier every morning. I want you to spend at least five minutes reading your Bible and 10 minutes in prayer before you go to work. Two weeks later, he came and said, Pastor, it's almost incredible to believe, but God has changed the whole environment in my workplace. Yes. Amen. Amen. Wow. Praise 
You're the salt of the earth. You can change the flavor of where you work. You can change the yes, flavor of yes. your family. You can change the flavor of everything around you. Praise God. Salt preserves. All right. Through our prayers, through our witnessing, through our sharing of God's word, we can help to preserve this generation from the judgment that is to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I think one of the main things that I have probably emphasized in uh, more recent years of my ministry is that salt does create thirst. I am so glad that my wife makes homemade soup. Because I have got so tired of those store-bought canned soups. They put so much salt in those things. My Lord, you need a gallon of water to go down with the thing afterwards. You know, it just <laughs> seems like you're just thirsty, 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 thirsty. And my wife makes good soup. All right? And uh, I hope that uh, the pies that you make for your bake sale come out as well as my wife's apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> She made one <coughs> Sunday. She made one, yeah. And Sunday evening, my son and daughter-in-law came over, and my, we had oh, just scrumptious apple pie with ice cream. <laughs> All right, quit slobbering. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you know, you know, our lives can create hunger in other people's lives for God. Yes. Yeah. A thirst in other people's lives for God. Yeah. Okay? They can. They can see your joy. Where in the world did they get joy? And they can see the joy in your life even though you may be going through a very difficult situation and they know it. But you're still filled with joy. All right? Where does that come from? It comes from God. Alright? You know, peace is not an external thing. Peace is an internal thing. Alright? We can have peace in our hearts even though, even though everything is in turmoil around us. Yes. Okay? So, the thirst that uh, that we can create thirst in the hearts of people to desire what we have because we exemplify something to them that they are not, something that they have never experienced and something that they will never experience outside of God. All right? Now, we are to be the light of the world. All right? Be the light. Oh, my. I'll never forget the experience we had many years ago. We... Uh, went into uh, Carolbite Caverns. And uh, my, what an experience to be underground like that. Absolutely zero light. All right? Now, at a certain moment in a big kind of an amphitheater down in under the earth, our guide said, You are right. You are right. Mammoth caves. All right? In Kentucky, yes, thank you. Uh, our guide said, now I want you all to gather right here close to me. And he said, they are going to turn out the lights and you are going to experience total darkness. Total darkness. And I put my hand in front of my face in that darkness. And even though I put it very close, I could not see it. It's just absolute darkness, total darkness. Well, I turned my back so that nobody else would see, and I walked off just a little bit. I had already kind of checked out my environment there. I walked off a little bit and punched the button on my watch that had an illuminated dial. My, I thought the sun came out. <laughs> All right? Now, I, I'm saying that, and, and I'm making you laugh just a little bit, uh, you're going to remember what I say to you. The little light that you may have, yeah. that little flickering flame of God's Spirit burning in your soul can be like the noonday sun to someone who is lost in sin yes. and degradation. Yes. 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 
Show me the way. Yes. Here we go. All right. I've got my candle lit. We're, we're making our way. We're, we're going we're, we're to find our way. All right. And it's just a beautiful thing. You are the light of the world. Amen. I did a little experiment one uh, New Year's Eve. I, uh, <clears throat> I uh, gave everybody a candle uh, before service. Everybody had a candle. And, <clears throat> and uh, we turned off the lights in the church building. It was dark. And the city where we were at that time, there were no street lights. In sunshine, it was dark. And I pulled a match out and I lit my candle. My, what a beautiful glow of light. And then I began to light the candles of some of the workers that worked with me. And the light became more and more and more intense. And they in turn began to move through the congregation and light all of the candles that were in the plate. My, it was like noonday in that building when we got all of the candles lit. All right? Now, if every one of us can allow God to fill us with his Holy Spirit in a, in, 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 in a, in a measure of fullness and power, hallelujah, yeah. the light that we can shine in Lathrop will be a great light, a very notable light that can show someone the way to salvation and to heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ye are the light of the world. That's what we're to be. That's what God ordained for us to be. All right? Yes. And uh, it's just uh, amazing that, 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 that he could use these uh, particular uh, illustrations to help us understand uh, what we can be in our age. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I am not going to go any further tonight, although I have a lot of other things that I could say. Now, there's one of the things that I do want to mention as I uh, bring this to a close tonight, and I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 18, all right? Chapter 18. And I, I want to point out something that can be a, a very, very critical thing in the lives of many Christians. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to be reading the very last verse of this chapter, which is verse 22. No, I'm sorry, it's not the last. It's the last of a certain portion. Uh, verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Can't you just hear that? Time to have to forgive that guy. Huh? Can't you just hear it? I mean, Lord, I brought He had done the same thing over and over again, and I forgive him. Uh, what's the limit on that? Seven times? What's verse 22 say? Seven times, but until seventy times seven. Wow. How often? Seventy times seven. One hundred ninety times. You're good at math. <laughs> you didn't do that on your calculator on the phone, did you? Okay. <laughs> All right. It was kind of hard to forget my Bible studies because we just. You know, we have a little fun along with it, all right? <laughs> 70 times 7. Brother Wilmer, the, the previous president of the United States said that Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is impossible to obey. Yeah. So if you don't have God, it's impossible. It is impossible. It is impossible. <clears throat> and we haven't gone into all of <laughs> <laughs> chapter 5, and didn't even get into 6 and 7. Let me encourage you to read it, okay? Alright? But, the lack of forgiveness has bound some people with shackles yeah. that do not allow them to become what they could become. Yeah, that's right. They do the shackles that do not allow them to influence yeah. others as they should influence others. Yeah. 
All right? How can I justify any unwillingness on my part to forgive someone else if I don't forgive on the human plane? All right? God forgave me. How can I refuse to forgive someone on this human plane? Yes. I'll never forget one New Year's Eve we were holding our customary New Year's Eve uh, service with communion and foot washing. <clears throat> and we men were walking into a room where we would be holding our foot washing session. And as I walked into that room, God caused me to remember a certain man who had really done me wrong. Bad, big time. And more than once. All right? And I stepped through the door of that, of that room. God said to me, and if this man were here tonight, would you wash his feet? And without hesitation, I said, yes, Lord, I would wash his feet. Just a few days later, we were at a conference, and this man was there, and he was sitting on the platform. He was a minister. He was sitting on the platform and his left foot was all bound up because he was having some difficulty with his ankle and his foot. And I walked over to him, I knelt down in front of him, I took his foot in my hands and I prayed for him that God would heal his foot and ankle. Amen? Amen. God asked me, the opportunity came, I took advantage of it. All right? So, perhaps there has been a situation in your life and you have been hard-pressed, let's say it that way, to forgive. But if you will, God will bless you in a way that you have never been blessed before. Amen. I mentioned to you that God told me what was wrong in my life. And I did all diligence to correct everything that God told me I had done wrong. Some of the things I was able to um, take care of personally, other things I had to write letters to take care of. Whether they forgave me or not is immaterial. I asked for it. I requested it. And I didn't become free because they said, I forgive you. I became free because I asked for forgiveness. All right? All right? Praise God. Praise God. And God can bring freedom to you. And when, 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 you, when you practice these things that Jesus has commanded us to do, you will find a liberty that you have never had before. Our liberty in prayer. Our liberty to witness. A liberty to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. A liberty to work the works of the apostles of the First Testament church, all right? The first century church. God can deliver us from all of the things that bind us from doing the work and the will of God. But we've got to make the first step. We've got to take the first step yes. to make things right, all right? Yes. All right? How is it that we receive forgiveness of sins? What's that big word that we use? Repent. We repent. All right? Before we repent, there's not going to be any forgiveness. Right. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? Very important scripture, by the way. Come on, tell them. Fast, faster. <laughs> All right. Confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive. What is the first thing that is done? Confess. confess. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, now I got another question for you. All right. To whom was the book of First John written? The church. Wait, wait, wait a minute. We're writing to the church 
if you confess your sins? Huh? So don't get all holy and sanctimonious on me. All right? Let's be humble in the presence of God. Humble yourself in the presence of God. And some people heard my prayers. They probably say, what in the world has Brother Walmer been doing? <laughs> well, I just kind of, you know, I just kind of pray it and say it in case. Forgive me of all of my sins. No, I can't think of any particular thing that I've done, but just in case I've done something, forgive me. Cleanse my heart. I want to walk before God in holiness and purity. I want my heart to be pure because if it is, I can receive the promise of that beautiful scripture. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. I want God to take his word. I'm not here on some kind of a... Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Did I say trip to become famous. <laughs> I don't aim for anything like that. I just want to be, you know what I want to be? I just want to be a potatoes and gravy preacher. You know, just the simple things. Because, you know, we can get all high and mighty and, you know, use great big words and just, you know, try to impress somebody with how much we know. But, you know, we just need to know God's word in the simple way in which it was written and communicated to yes. us. Amen. And when we do, and we practice those things, we will be blessed of God. Yes. Amen. Blessed of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to pray right now a prayer for yourself. Amen. Don't very often ask somebody to pray for themselves. We need to pray for others. But right now I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray. That God will take something out of this Bible study tonight and burn it into your heart so that you will never forget it. Burn it into your very soul, into your very being, so that you will never forget it and you will live to practice it to become a very blessed Christian. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight for your kindness to us and allowing your word to be preserved for us until this present day. They've burnt the Bibles, they've tried to destroy it from the ages. But it was preserved and brought down to us, Lord, so that we could have it here before us tonight and read it and study it and contemplate it, oh God, and be transformed by it. Oh God, take the word that we have read tonight, that we have studied tonight, and burn it into our hearts, oh God, so that we will not ever forget it. And when temptation comes, we will remember your word and we will remember our obligation before you, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Anybody tonight? No, sir. Uh, I did. I'm sorry. But I don't request any apologies for the Word of God. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. And God's Word is quick and powerful. And it is able to penetrate into the very depths of our souls and cause us to become what we need to be before God. Yes. Don't ever forget the most important thing that you can do in your Christian life is please God. Please God. Don't live to please your pastor. Don't live to please somebody else, but live to please God. Yes. Because he is the one that holds your eternal destiny in his hands. Yes. You've got to please him. Amen. God, we thank you for the coming. Amen. Amen. Amen.